Hello, everybody. Welcome to our bonus podcast. I'm the host, Donatas Rubunas, and I'm joined by my colleague, Ritis Vishnauskas, here in Berlin. So, hi, Ritis. Hello. Ritis, can you believe it? Our last our bonus episode had more than 40,000 views. No, I can't. That's as crazy as this Eurobasket <laughs> really? experience. And it's not only about the numbers. Uh, I mean, about the feedback, yeah. the recognition, our opinion gets, let's say, among the basketball community. And the best part is that that's what we thought about, just bringing everybody together from a lot of different countries, even from United States or from South America, for example. So that we should say a huge, huge thank you for all this community for following uh, our uh, podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a great number. Uh, I feel really happy that uh, we see the results of our effort. And also, I love the variety of opinions in the comment section. I love that people can discuss basketball and have different point of view. They can disagree with what yeah, I'm saying, what you're saying, us, yeah. or they can ac- agree with what with us. But all the time, you see real, real quality in the comment section. That's that's what I love the most. What's also interesting that uh, not only basketball fans but also basketball people are following this podcast. For example, I was shocked when I. Uh, I was approached by Tanasis and Tatakumbo after such a disappointment, uh, disappointing game uh, in, in quarterfinal loss where they were thinking about Eurobasket, you know, title. And then he just says hi and hey, I, I love your podcast. I'm listening to it. So that's that's huge. You also had some situations in the hotel, right? Joining oh, yeah. some random uh, groups. <laughs> I was of, about of to go to sleep. People. I was about to go to sleep, and then I bump into people that are saying, "Oh, you're the guy from the Eurobonus podcast," and and we ended up talking for like an hour or even yeah. more. So, it's it's a it's a great feeling to be so, recognized. Th- thanks a lot for not just recognition, but for just creating uh, this community. From what I've heard, seventy percent of our podcast viewers still haven't subscribed to basketnews.com YouTube channel. So uh, please subscribe our channel because it will help us uh, grow a lot. And of course, uh, press like button and leave your uh, comment in the comment section uh, just to boost our growth. Just before we start, a short uh, introduction uh, about Courtside 1891. Uh, They're still, if you're late to the party, because this is an amazing, um, the best Eurobasket I I remember in terms of excitement, unpredictable results, incredible games, all the games were tied. So if you're still uh, want to join the party, you can go on Courtside 1891 and there's a special 50% off for the rest of the tournament to enjoy the high, very high quality basketball here in Eurobasket. Ritis, let's talk about the biggest upset we had so far. Slovenia, the European champions losing to Poland. What what would be your first impression? I have to sip some coffee before starting this. Probably something stronger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Man, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm still shocked from yesterday. I mean, it's hard to believe what happened and Honestly, Slovenians only have themselves to blame for because this is not how you approach a quarterfinal. I don't care who who you're facing, whether it's Poland or Spain or or Germany or Greece, whatever. You have to respect the opponent. And Slovenians sort of started the game with NBA regular season mode. Like, we're not going to put a lot of effort on defense, but we have a lot of talent. We're going to score. Oh, they are scoring in the first quarter. That's nice. We're going to score more than them. But all of a sudden, you see that 
Polish players got hot. They started believing that it is possible. And they started kicking some asses. And then Slovenians in the second quarter lost control of the game completely. They were down and, and they lost control of their emotions as well. However, in the third quarter, they proved that when they want to, they can defend. When they want to, they can fight. And I mean, it's a bad thing when you, when you, when you start a fight only when you're down by 19. So yeah, they were close. Uh, they got the lead. They they got in front in the fourth quarter. Probably everybody thought that yeah. once they got the lead, I thought it's over. they're gonna win it. Yeah. it however, according to script. Yeah, but however, it felt Poland like. had some magical performances. They had a triple double from Mateusz Ponitka, fourth it, in the history, unofficially. Yeah, say. I know. Yeah, but you know, in a game where Luka Doncic is playing, you're expecting him to be the triple double guy. But now, all of a sudden, it's Mateusz Ponitka, who's not known for his three point shooting, but he really made some clutch shots like Kobe Bryant, and and also AJ Slaughter in the fourth quarter when his team was down and needed some more leadership. He was the guy who took charge and and he scored like five points in a row. He went to the paint, dished an assist to Ponitka, scored another layup, a uh, fancy layup, I would say. And this duo of Ponitka and Slaughter kept Poland with hope because it looked hopeless after mm. the third quarter. Like, it seemed like they stopped hitting shots, it, the confidence is gone. We say in Lithuania that sometimes you get scared of an opportunity to win the game. And it Against was a, a very big team. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it felt like in the third quarter, I mean, it was the second time in the tournament when we had this uh, explosive first half. For example, Greece, they scored 61. It's just unbelievable in, in FIBA basketball, 61 points. Uh, first half points and then they went for six points in the third quarter yes. kind of the same happened with uh, Poland uh, I don't remember the exact number they scored I mean it was like uh, give me a second I mean it was very low scoring in the third quarter and they just mm -hmm. lost it badly but the difference is that different from Greece it felt like that they just had this opportunity they stopped making shots and it wasn't because of the quality of the shots of course slovenia improved in defense but they were just uh, wasting all the opportunities so that's why i thought that it's done especially when luca okay he was limping at first and luca really looked bad in the third beginning of the third quarter he was uh evidently limping he was the last to show up for the warm-up uh, between the third quarter and he left the warm-up warm actually after like one or two minute uh, shoot around he was evidently limping he couldn't uh, run the full speed. He was passing instead of uh, doing some penetrate penetration or he just went for uh, outside shots because it's, it's way easier. But then, you know, uh, it felt like uh, the injection uh, made uh, made her impact, made its, its impact. So it felt like that Luca came back to his full speed. Slovenians got the confidence. Um, Completely different for Poland, and I thought it was done. But what AG Slaughter done in that crucial moment? Yeah. He scored, as you said, five or six points. I don't really uh, remember, but it was crucial three pointer when and when drive to the basket. Basket, and yeah, Ponitka. I mean, they both scored or assisted seventy three of ninety Polish national team points. And of course, I agree with you. I, I feel I f it feels like you know Slovenia got punished for disrespecting the opponent and just basketball. Being too arrogant. And we kind of saw that already before the competition, the game against Germany. You cannot 
you know, party before the game, even though it's World, uh, World Cup qualifiers. But still, I mean, especially where Slovenia is in a situation where they can actually miss the upcoming uh, World Cup. And that uh, win, uh, that loss against Germany yeah. was crucial. Uh, and they were laid back all the time. When they were focused, they were uh, amazing. But, I mean, you cannot be like that. You cannot show up like that uh, for the quarterfinal game. And I asked Luca, you know, that maybe these results of Serbia and Greece impacted the... Mm, mentality of some of the players because obviously it was an issue uh, throughout the summer of course he said no but I think that deep in their hearts when they saw uh, Greece failing yeah after after uh, Serbia I think that they thought that it's going to be a high a highway to the yeah. championship well there were some warning signals in the eight finals in round of 16 when they played Belgium it's and so funny that we're talking about, you know, eight finals and it feels like it, it happened like a week ago. Yeah, because I know, I know. every game is some intense uh, experience. Yeah. But there were some warning signals because yeah. they were also laid back in that game and Belgium was there. And in the beginning of the fourth quarter, I, I think it was a one-point game. But then for Slovenia, it all clicked and they got the win. They, in the end, they won by like 16 points by a solid margin. But in this case, it was different because Poland was there all the time and the fan support that they had here in berlin was also amazing i, I think it really lifted the spirit of the of, of the whole polish team and also great coaching decisions by by igor milicic this also yeah. has to be said of course. and for slovenia i mean a couple of talking points also in my eyes mike toby wasn't 100 wasn't even close to 100 ever since that ankle injury happened when, when he landed on referee's foot um, they were also missing Zoran Dragic. I mean, yeah, they were missing Zoran Dragic. And he's one of the better defenders on that team, Mike which Toby is not playing defense. was really struggling on defense. And Sekulic had to play a little bit more with that small lineup with Edo Muric. Some of the players were really missing good open spot-up shots because it's only 29% three-point shooting. I mean, even with that poor defending, Slovenia should beat Poland by a score of 105 against 90 but they were not making shots and Luka Doncic by his standards was terrible honestly yeah. I mean look at the stat sheet 33.3 percent shooting one from four free throw shooting six turnovers and in the end he got fouled out mm. and it's not like he fouled out when when the game was lost yeah when he fouled out they were down by five or something with four with, with, mm. with less than three minutes to go yeah. so it was manageable and even without Luka, they made that run in the last minute and, and Prepolic went for the shot and went mm. for the foul, but didn't get the call. So, you know, when you, when your best player is fouled out in a situation where you still have a decent opportunity to win, it hits the morale of the team, in my opinion. I mean, it's hard to depend on Goran Dragic, who's playing for 37 minutes when he's 36 years old and the thing about these last fouls you remember he got technical uh i think that he was addressing uh, ag slaughter's uh, layup which yeah. as we watched the replay i think it was kind of obvious travel so luca was also showing the same uh, to the referee yeah. but at the same time i mean luca was always in a very on a very thin line uh, talking with referees for the technical foul so he should have been smarter in that situation although i hate the fact that in this eurobasket uh, usually players or coaches um got um, received technical foul after 
in the most cases they're right i mean in the most cases referees are wrong in some decisions yeah. but they just explode emotionally and they got technical and it really irritates me but at the same time luca knowing the importance of the situation he should have been much calmer and the thing that the last fifth call was also like it felt like he a little bit lost the feel of the game because it was of course uh, all you know all kudos to ponitka it was very smart play very smart fake Usually, you know, Luca is just skipping all these uh, situations, first yeah. of all, because he's not putting all the defensive effort. And at the same time, you know, he's uh, trying to avoid the foul trouble. So it, w- it was it was a weird situation. But if you talk about Luca, yes, his numbers were terrible. Uh, maybe it was also related to the fact that he uh, wasn't healthy and he already had the, these ankle concerns before the game. Uh, but if we're talking about the guys who were laid back or disrespected the game although Luca was bad although he, I, once again he was talking to referees just uh, was lying on the ground in some situations and it caused transition points to me I think that Luca was kind of always mm, having the same approach uh, for the opponent to me it felt like the others underestimated uh, Poland at first uh, you can feel it you know from their defensive approach no intensity no physicality uh, they cannot come back in transition they also look bad in, in half court uh, defense but just to me it's very weird because it's not the first time that you know look okay his numbers are very average by his standards but I mean at least it feels like his mentality was here. Uh, he was fighting uh, for the game. Okay, may- maybe he was wasting uh, energy too much, but others, others, I think that they let the country down as well. And they're not yeah. as too, they're not as good to act like that. I mean, I think that they kind of got lost in this dream where they became way, way better players playing with Luka Doncic. But just take Luka Doncic out of the game and put them individually in every other situation. And this is really average team it's very well equipped uh lined up to play with Luka Doncic but if you take him out of the game it's 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 you know it's it's very tough for the, for this group of guys I can only say a few compliments to Jakob Blažić and Vladko Čančar Čančar played his they best were, game they were two players who wanted team. who wanted to win really and they were fighting and the way Jakob Blažić was pressing the ball handlers in in, in the second half uh, because in in the first half, Poland, I believe, they went with zero turnovers for 15 minutes. This just shows that there was no pressure on ball. I mean, it was very easy for them to create shots, to create opportunities. And I mean, zero turnovers in 15 minutes at this level. Uh, Slovenia obviously suffered also because, like I said, of poor shooting. I'm, I remember the sequence in the fourth quarter when the game was still really close. Luka missed two free throws, and then in the next possession, he missed his usual step-back jumper. So, you know, these are the shots that can change the game. But the sad thing about the Slovenian team, I mean, first of all, Luka, as he said in a press conference, uh, as long as he's healthy, he's always going to play for, for his national team if they qualify for the World Cup, for example, next year. Uh, but Goran Dragic, for him, maybe this is a goodbye. He made a comeback just for this yeah. Eurobasket, and this is not the way he imagined it. I mean, losing in the quarterfinals, losing to Poland, this is how you say goodbye. Maybe right now Goran might be having some re- regrets because when he retired after 2017, he mm. retired as a champion. Nobody really expected him to come back, but he did, and I'm not criticizing his game. 
Um, he has passion for the game. That's obvious when 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 you're 36 and you still want to continue with the national team. But I just cannot see him playing any more summers for, for the mm. national team, knowing that he has a really serious injury past. So, mm. yeah, and in next year, if they're without Goran Dragic, the only thing that has to change for them, because more or less you will have a similar roster with maybe some of these younger guys improving. But the, the mentality of the team, the approach has to change. You need to start respecting the other mm. teams. You need to start behaving better on the court. You need to be more respectful because when people see players constantly complaining to the refs, fans don't respect teams like that. The neutral fans don't want to see this. They want to see pure basketball. And Slovenia started the tournament by complaining and they mm. finished the tournament by complaining. It felt like the ticket from the last year's Olympics uh, semifinals because we all loved Slovenia uh, when they qualified through the qualifying tournament, the way how they started the Olympic uh, tournament. Yeah. But the end was disgusting because, as you said, you know, body language, uh, wasting this energy, talking to referees, complaining about everything. It's just hard to watch um, team acting like this. And it felt like in this tournament, they just took it from, from there. And in a lot of situations when they were facing some adversity, something was going on. And it, it, it had some you know terrible look. Yeah. Players fighting each other, players fighting uh, Coach Sekulic. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that they have to talk to each other uh, for the future competitions. But what I like about Luka Doncic, uh, talking about his leadership, that he was the only one... Uh, star player from this big three of the tournament that showed up uh, to the press conference, addressed the issue, addressed the he huge took responsibility. Yeah, and he, he said, took, I disappointed the whole country. He took the responsibility where he wasn't even asked to. Uh, the question was way different. Uh, my colleague Jonas Miklo was asking him about his um, condition during the game. And of course, he was not 100%. But then he took the responsibility for letting the whole team and the country down. So that was... A uh, huge thing uh, from from Luca in my eyes. He's still super young player. I just hope that uh, current FIBA format and the rest of Slovenian players who are not playing in Euroleague or the NBA will provide him an opportunity to suit up for Slovenia in these uh, big tournaments. But what he did, I mean, it was big because I don't know. I you kind of. You kind of expecting it from Nikola Jokic because mm. it's not like that he hates media. He just hates you know, public, uh, public speaking. So he just avoids every media opportun uh, availability as, as possible. I was a little bit surprised that uh, Yanis Antetokounmpo uh, didn't show up because he, he's very uh, great. He's a great guy. He has right approach. So I just thought that in this tough situation, he might say something uh, to his country. But mm. anyways, we're talking a lot about Slovenia. You already mentioned about uh, coach uh, Igor uh, Milicic. Milic, yeah. Milicic. And uh, I mean, I think that he's one of the these upcoming coaches uh, in European basketball. He was already in a lot of conversations for bigger teams. A couple of years ago, he was uh, considered by um, bigger Russian market uh, clubs. Now I heard that he was uh, in conversations with uh, Spanish and German teams. And I really hope that this win, this tournament, this campaign, because he took the team just recently, might Mike Taylor is actually now a commentator. Exactly, exactly. He, he was leading. And Mike Taylor was also doing a good job. He kind of uh, created this bond with this Polish national team. And what I want to say that at 
one point it's like an, a huge upset, but at the same time, this group, this team led by Ponitka, they were going towards the goal. Of course, nobody could dream that the goal could be uh, beating Slovenia and making the semifinals, creating one of the biggest surprises. I mean, there's only Macedonia uh, who surprised us uh, as much as uh, Poland talking about the semifinal teams. Yeah. Although Macedonia, they had players like Boma Kaleb, Pero Antic, they had EuroLeague players. This team doesn't have a single EuroLeague player. One guy is playing in the second French division. Of course, Mateusz uh, Ponitka. He's, he's Euroleague quality. Euroleague material. It's just that next season he's not playing. That's in, that's, in that's for sure. And this, but, yeah, you can. I mean, if, if if we were predicting upsets before the tournament, Poland was very low on 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 my list of possible upsets. I probably in my predictions bracket had them fifth in their group mm. because of some reasons like. For example, they were not playing particularly well in the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. Before the championship, they had this conflict with Ponitka brothers. That probably doesn't help. Before uh, Ponitka had a conflict with the country, basically, yes, because of his decision country. to come back to St. Petersburg. Uh, so you had all these issues. And in the group stage, I've witnessed them being trashed by Finland, like by 30. Who would have known that this is the team that's going to go mm. to the semis and surprise yeah. everybody? I mean, we're living in a world where three of the best players in the whole planet are out of the, of the Eurobasket. Mm. And this roster without a single Euroleague name is continuing and playing for medals. Well, this is really crazy. And again, we were talking that they had a relatively easy path. Like the group was mm. not the strongest. I mean, it was very... There was Serbia and the other teams were very similar. And then the round of 16, they faced Ukraine. Again, a team that's compared to Poland, more or less yeah. the same strength. But then we thought like, the yeah, they had, they had some West luck Slovenia. in the World Cup in 2019 when they went to the quarterfinals. Uh, this is sort of the same story, but it's going to be over by, by, by the time the quarterfinal starts. I don't know what else to say. But I mean, it, it, I, I can only imagine how many people from Poland will be there in Berlin for I the semifinals. So. I talked with uh, Polish journalists and they told that, you know, although there are a lot of Polish people, Poland is not far away uh, from, from yeah. Germany, but ticket prices are, let's say, questionable and it's not clear how many Polish yeah. fans might come. Although, I mean, they're not a basketball country, but, but you know, the funny thing is that like... They're creating one of the best atmospheres here yes. after Greek fans probably. W when they start that song... I believe that's the name of it. <laughs> they were going wild. But, you know, the funny thing about Poland and sports is that for years they had such high expectations and hopes for their football national team with Robert Lewandowski, one of the best players in the world. And they always disappointed, always, in every single competition, whether they lose in group stages or later. I mean, even the last Euros, they, they didn't qualify from their group. They were really disappointing to watch. And all of a sudden, basketball team has no high expectations and nobody probably even dreams about semifinals. Yeah. They They're had, here. They had some expectations when they had Martin Gortat, Matija Ilante, yes. Thomas Kelati. Yes, they had uh, some big, bigger names at that time, but they never went but past, past the quarterfinals. But we have to admit, I mean, that's a fun team to watch even starting from the eight finals. I couldn't uh, follow them in the group stage for obvious yeah. reasons, but even though the game against Ukraine was tough, I mean, they played played nice team basketball. Yeah, they played solid basketball, solid offensive-minded basketball. And 
uh, I mean, we're talking about two names, Slaughter and Ponitka, but some other guys are really driving yeah. right now. But Balcerovsky is, is is a very young talent from Gran Canaria. Who knows? Maybe someday he will be an, a, a Euroleague player, uh, and some other players that are not very well known on club level, like Mikhail Sokolovsky, for example. He's like a hockey player, you know, being so physical with the, all the opponents. And they don't have a deep bench, but no. but Igor Milicic survives with this intensive rotation of players. He's rotating usually eight or, or, or nine players only, but it works for them. So just kudos to Poland. And mm. I mean, we're a basketball country. For us, the tournament is over, but our neighbors are, are creating something special and I'm really happy for them. Yeah. And... <laughs> There was this iconic photo of, of A.G. Slaughter and his son taking the picture with Jokic uh, and Doncic. And yeah. yesterday we just tweeted it with the caption, hold my baby, I've got semifinal to play. I mean, this was an iconic moment, really. So, like right now... By the, by the way, Slaughter is a great guy. I think that he's playing for Poland since 2015 for many years. Something like that. Uh, and he's always there for the team. He really increases the level of this team and he just he's just he's just a pure baller. I mean he just so loves do you to think play. Jokic and Doncic were taking the photo with Slaughter, not vice versa. I mean <laughs> I believe they wanted that an autograph. This little baby will be surprised when he will hear the story about the coincidences, about the stuff what happened later and what were these two guys, the importance of these two guys. Yeah. And let's hope that we will see Mateusz Ponitka in the EuroLeague. He has this contract with Reggio Emilia. Uh, I think it's a three-month three contract or that contract has outs. But, I mean, probably these GMs of Reggio Emilia are super happy right now. 26 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists. What else to be said? Crazy. And from what I hear, he has out in November. Uh, it shouldn't be... A uh, huge amount for a buyout, but I mean, at least for three months, yeah. they're gonna take care of his rights. Let's say so yeah. they can ask whatever and, money they 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 want. And, and we remember Xavi Pascual using him as a defensive-oriented player. That's a little bit of a playmaker yeah. on offense. And he was but not a scorer. He was doing great. He was never a scorer there. for 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 Xavi yeah. Pascual. He has a lot of good qualities, but. In Euroleague, we never saw him shooting the lights out mm. like he did here in Berlin. Mm. And clutch shots, not only just simple spot-up shots. He had clutch, tough clutch shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so let's go to another upset. Greece. Uh, it's not that much of an upset knowing how well Germany it, really played. It's an upset in terms of where we saw Greece. And, okay. and in the Fair final enough. phase of the competition, Fair fighting enough. for the title, but not uh, being eliminated in the quarterfinals. But I agree with you. I mean, I I remember I wrote an article about Germany that it's a fun team to watch and it's a team to watch in this tournament after their couple of uh, first couple of games in the group phase. And they just increase their level throughout the competition. And for me now, it's uh, probably the, not the, pro not probably. It's, I just love to watch this team. I mean, they have all, everything from personalities uh, to to talents, Wagner, Schroeder, uh, Thais, mobile lineups. I mean, I'm not surprised at all that they uh, threw Greeks out of the competition. This is the case when I don't really want to say anything too bad about Greece. 
I just want to praise Germany for how they played, for, for their energy. I mean, Greece was also playing on a very high level. If you look at, at the offense and, and the numbers and the shooting percentages, after Slukas hit that crazy buzzer beater, they were up by four. But Germany was shooting crazy from, from the very beginning. I mean, Andrea Sops was like the second coming of Reggie Miller. And, and then, Steph Curry, I think. Dennis yeah, Schroeder was Steph hitting Curry. shots, even though during the tournament he was not that consistent shooting from free. Franz Wagner, he played through an injury. It didn't mm -hmm. really bother him that much when he saw that gym is packed. The atmosphere is amazing. And he went in ISO against Giannis. And you could see that, I want this. I want this challenge. And he does the nice sidestep and hits a free. He, by so, the way, his, his story is interesting because he scored 26 points, uh, eight, oh no, I'm talking about Schroeder. Sorry, 19 Wagner, points, 19 points, 19 points. Uh, 40 bounds, uh, five of seven uh, from the three-point line. And I know that there were a lot of people um, who really thought that he won't show up because he had this injury. Uh, there's always NBA people around uh, these NBA players. For example, from what I heard, at least five Milwaukee people from Milwaukee uh, followed Yanis with, with the national team here. Uh, some others had like one person. Uh, I mean, they have a guy in Orlando. The, uh, on the staff that's from Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, so uh, Orlando also had at least one guy here. And there was even between NBA people, there was a, let's say, they thought that he's, he's not going to play just because of this uh, injury. So that tells a lot about this young uh, young, young kid's uh, Too character. big of a game to, to skip, like, mm. I mean... This playing is at home, I mean, how How often you will opponent. get this opportunity? Maybe this is the only chance in your whole career to play a Eurobasket at home in Berlin. So um, I was not surprised that he played. Maybe I was surprised how well he played, knowing that he, he was hurt. Mm. And, and there were so many players on the German team that probably played above their limits. Like Daniel Tice, usually he's in a foul trouble when he has to face these very physical opponents. But in this game, they really recreated the Berlin Wall yeah. against Yanis. And, and Tice was super solid with a double-double of 13 points and 16 rebounds, six offensive rebounds. And the problem for Greece, like they couldn't cope with Germans shooting the way they did. And they just couldn't respond in the second half. They missed a lot of, they started missing open shots, wide open spot up shots, because every team is taking those risks against Greece because they want to control Yanis as much as possible. So they are suffering uh, with these wide open shots from the corners, Papa Petru, Papa Nicolaou, even Dorsey. They didn't have a good night shooting the ball. But I think the problems started from the, from the beginning. Uh, from the beginning. I think that Greeks just, let Germans to build this confidence. And mm -hmm. of course, there was a lot of luck. I mean, I think that the first three-pointer by Obst was from the backboard. Uh, Schroeder is making uh, contested shots. Uh, Thais making three-pointers. Wagner after the dribble three-pointers. Uh, Schroeder, I think that he, he made three or yeah, three three-pointers. I mean, there was a lot of luck uh, behind it. But at the same time, I mean, 25 points per five minutes. And the problem is that Greeks, they made their first team foul like in the seventh or eighth mm. minute of the game. Yeah. I think that they were not um, physical, intensive uh, and tough enough in the beginning uh, of the game just to make them uncomfortable because we all knew that this team might might go crazy, might fire up very quickly. Yeah. They have enough talent. And I just think that they didn't, they didn't do enough to try to stop them from having such nights. 
but of course it had a lot a lot of luck uh, including this Gordy Herbert punished Greece with the same set for Andreas Ops like four or five times during the same game I don't know how Greece didn't have a response to that because it was the same set he gets these off-ball screens and he, he does some off-ball movement and he's mm. open for, for, for a three-pointer and we know from from the EuroLeague that he can get hot I mean, by the way he's playing in this championship, Andrea Trinchieri probably has to increase his minutes. Like, you cannot imagine a guy that's averaging 15 points in the Eurobasket getting back to the ninth or tenth man in, in, in the rotation for Bayern Munich. Because he's a pure shooter and, and he has a lot to offer by his off-ball movement also. So, yeah, I, I agree with you about this um, physicality thing and being more aggressive from the very beginning defensively. However, when you when you watch the first half, it looked like Greece is okay because mm. Germany is living from yeah three point shots. There was that feeling that and as soon as they will start missing shots, yes, because Greece had Yanis with good numbers yeah. after after the first half. And he finished the game with 31 points, 30 from 22 shooting and, and eight assists, seven rebounds. It's okay. Uh, of course, it was an unfortunate ending for Yanis. The tournament ended with a second sportsman-like foul and he was ejected from the game. But at that point, the game was already lost, in my opinion. So it's, yeah, it the, didn't really have that much impact. Yeah, the, the most impactful thing was the third quarter. Uh, if I'm right, they scored the first shot from the field like with two minutes to play in the in the third quarter and you mentioned berlin's berlin wall and i think it had a lot to do uh stopping greek's offense it's, it's crazy the thing that you score 61 points in the first half and then uh only six points in the third quarter sorry 10 points still uh po polish team yeah they scored six points and um it all it had a lot to do with this Berlin Wall and what was interesting that after the game every German player I talked to they said that oh we basically did the same what Czech Republic team did in the eighth final game and if you yeah. remember well Yannis scored only four points in the first half just later he found his rhythm and I mm, tried to check to do research about this Berlin or Czech Wall uh, you can call it uh, whatever whatever you want um, I called uh, Ronan Ginsburg and he told some interesting things. And when you think about it, I mean, Yanis Wall is already a big thing in States uh, since 2019, uh, basically. It took a lot of time for Milwaukee to figure out, to find the assets, how to break this wall and how to win the championship. The problem is that in FIBA basketball, there's no defensive three-second yes, violation rule. So say. you can make it even thinner. And that's what they did. Just like Ronan Ginsburg uh, told me, he said that, okay, I watched the game from 2019 and the World Cup. If you remember, it was the last game for Greece because they had to win by 12, but they won by 7 and they did a great job against Yanis. But Ronan Ginsburg decided to make this defense even more radical, I would say. He just always had one player in front of Yanis and he kept always one big guy inside the basket. So if he beats... Your first opponent, you will face another one. And the thing is that, of course, on, on, on sides, you have help. And basically, Yanis, whenever he tried to penetrate, he was facing three, not even three, four-man four. defense. Four. And it felt like it took him a while to figure out what was uh, going on. And yeah. at the same time, on the uh, other end of the floor, Germans 
just continued to making crazy shots. Mm. You all remember Franz Wagner making all these step back trees uh, over Yanis and Tetacumbo. Again, a lot of luck was there as well behind this 17 three point mark. But I really loved uh, this move, but even more, I love this behind the story that German team basically took what they did. And as we talked to Viv Ginsburg, uh, the, the big thing was to stop Yanis um, in transition. That's another part of this. Yeah, that's uh, why you need to limit your plan. turnovers. Yeah, yeah. There, there are two things. It's not just about defense. If you score the ball, you stop the game, basically. Yes, so you exactly. uh, eliminate uh, fast break points. And uh, uh, at the same time, making, you know, scoring in this way like Germans did, it helped them a lot. That's what maybe Czechs were missing. Yeah. And I remember Ginsburg saying that I asked my players uh, to run the position as long as it possible. And if you're driving and you see that there's no clear path to score the ball, it's better just to let it go out of bounds instead of being blocked by, play uh, by some of Greek players. Uh, mostly, uh, mainly Yanis Antetokounmpo, and then just get this uh, fast break opportunity. So, those are really smart points from yeah. Ronan Ginsburg. I mean, we said that Coach Ginsburg is really yeah. underrated. He's a great basketball mind. He's going to and, work for, for Promete Ukrainian team next season. Huge, huge win for good, such good, club. Good luck to, I mean, good luck to him. But he could work for a Euroleague club, in my opinion. Yeah, like Maccabi Tel Aviv. They're going for Odet Katash Ginsburg. Might be even a better fit. Anyways, those are great points, and I completely agree with that. Germany had only 11 turnovers. They limited their turnovers. Yeah. They had a good shooting percentage. Usually the shots they missed, they were not like shots that fell far away from the basket mm. so that they Greece could take the ball and go straight for a fast break opportunity. Yeah, Greece and, scored only eight uh, fast break points, which is a huge win. And one of the biggest adjustments Yanis has to make when, when he's playing under FIBA rules, I mean, we've talked in our previous podcast that right now he's much smarter and much better than he was in 2019. However, when, for example, you have Yanis playing in the low post, the rim protector can stand there for as much as he wants because there's no defensive mm -hmm. three-second rule. So Yanis usually has to go for a fadeaway mid-range jumper, which is not as consistent as Yanis attacking the rim from the paint, obviously. And that's the issue. And it, as a coach, you cannot find a way how to solve this. It is what it is. Unless Yanis starts shooting 40% from three-point range, it will always be like that. You will always have to live with these uh, situations and there's nothing else you can do. So Yanis... Like he closed the game against Greece, against Czech Republic, mm. I'm sorry, with two free pointers. Yeah. But in this game, those shots were not going in. The problem that other guys who supposed to make those shots, like Tyler Dorsey, yeah. he went only two of seven. Uh, Nikolaitis, off of four. Slukas, one of four. I mean, Papa Petro, one of four. Most of these guys, they're below average shooters, but, you know, it's even by their standards these are low numbers so it's a, a big mix a big big combination of bad things that happened for Greece and the biggest problem for Greek uh, Greece national team and Dimitris this is that it's not the NBA it's not the EuroLeague you cannot sign players who can shoot the ball you cannot sign point guards and the Greek talent pool Greek shooters pool is limited and there's not much room for any adjustment and mm. improvement uh, looking for the future uh, competition so you know it, what uh, I just thought now, like for Yanis, Germany would be a better fit as a basketball team. He would be surrounded by amazing shooters in every position. 
Of course. Of guys course. like Feutmann, Wagner, Obst. Yeah. I mean, the bigs are shooting in, in the German yeah, Maldolo, team. Yeah. Even, I mean, Daniel Tice and Johannes mm. Thiemann, they are capable of hitting shots. So if you put Giannis in the German team, it's pro probably a better fit basketball-wise. But as Atuti said, well, in the national team basketball, you have to play with what you have. It's not like you're signing players who can fit your system. Well, obviously in FIBA, you can have one naturalized player and teams are going for a point guard usually, but for Greece, it's a different case. They don't want to just give passports for nothing. You know, you know what, what I liked? Talking with players, with coach, just hearing the general feedback after the game in Greece. There's no such thing as it was the catastrophe and now had to had to fall off, you know. Yeah. Uh, it felt like, uh, what also says a lot about the team, that they were so united that this loss, you know, they won't start blaming each other. They're not looking for another coach. Uh, and uh, this team will, will, will stay uh, united. Uh, I remember after the interview, by the way, I have to think about what I'm saying about Greece national team because it turns out that Tanasis and the Kumbo is also a listener and viewer of this podcast. So I have to be very serious about what I'm saying, especially about the Tukumbo brothers. Tanasis is a nice guy. No, he's it's cool not guy. like he's going to attack you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's a, he's a very nice dude. Uh, but what I want to say that I remember there was this moment when he actually approached me after the game, after the loss, he was waiting for, for Dimitris Setoudis uh, to finish his uh, media session, the last interview in the mix zone. And he, he saw me, he just approached me and uh, uh, said that he's listening to the podcast, good job. And he wished that we will bring it to the United States. But I believe that also has a lot of to do with the help of and the Tukumo brothers. I think that they have enough resources to help us. So we'll see. But anyway, he then just hugged uh, Dimitri Setoudis. They just slowly went to the locker room. I mean, we saw emotions from... Uh, Laranzakis, for example, he was yeah. so passionate. He he played his best basketball we saw, ever. Saw for some the serious team. trash talking from from Laranzakis, from Schroeder. He gave his all, you know, for for <laughs> yeah. his team. I mean, it, you saw the pain, and but you felt that you know it, it was just a natural emotion of very united group of guys. So there's just this hope that. Mm. In the following tournaments, they're going to get better. They will try to figure out how to beat this Yanis or any other wall they're going to face. It's just a different kind of upset. Like when we, we were talking about Slovenia, we're talking about Slovenians, what they didn't do and what they should have done. When we're talking about this, it's more about the Germans, more about how good they were. And you just have to accept that. And I think Itudi said something like when you're playing a knockout competition where it's not not a best of three or best of five series, things can always happen. Yeah. And and they things happened. I mean, you replay the game once again with more or less the same shots. I don't think Germany would hit 17 three-pointers. Mm. But it was Although just they, one of those nights. I think they already had such nights. They might even make 18 three-pointers. Against uh, in the group stage, Lithuania, I, I in a double checked, overtime uh, mm, could be, could be that game, but that was a 50 minute game, yeah, that's true, that's true, yeah, exactly. It was against Lithuania, I think, right? So, there's another game that's that's probably one of the strangest <sighs> stories. One last so point, far. okay, we have Yanis out, we have Luka out, Jokic is also out, yep, three potential MVPs. Who do you see as the next MVP? Because what, what is interesting that. At first, you're, you also heard all these chants, you know, in the stands. At first, it was for Nikola Jokic, MVP. then Luka Doncic MVP, Yanis Antetokounmpo. Now, we're he, he, 
Johannes Timon is making free throw. We're here MVP chance. Marcos Piso is making free throws. MVP yeah. chance. Ponitka, the same. Everyone's we, an MVP on yeah. this stage. So you're asking me who's my pick for the MVP? Yeah. Well, probably depends on who's going to win the gold medal. And I think if France goes for gold, it's going to be Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Although although there's an interesting case for Thomas Hotel to be the mm-hmm. MVP, the man who has been left in the airport by Barcelona and the man who has been left out of the roster by Pablo Lasso. Who was almost left out uh, from national team roster yeah. because of now, his deal with Zenit. Now he's one of the heroes uh, of the French team. So, I mean, if France wins it, I think Rudy Gobert. If Germany wins it, Denis Schroeder looks closest it's going to be between Wagner and Schroeder. MVP. It depends on how they perform in the semifinal and in the final. If Spain wins it, Oof, it's a tough you one. would have to pick Lorenzo between Brown, Villian Brown, and, Gomez and Lorenzo Brown. And it, again, depends on how they will perform. If Poland wins it, it's, it's Ponitka, the man who had a triple-double. Yeah. So, But since I predicted France to win gold from the very beginning... Mm. Although, You're in a good situation. Although <laughs> I, I don't really believe in them that much right now because... They should have been home already. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice. Twice. But right now, since I'm predicting France, I'm also predicting the Eiffel Tower, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, yeah, because I remember how bad he was in the group stage. I mean, he improved, but Lithuania, he improved with every yeah, game. He exactly. That's every the game. thing. Uh, that's the best thing about him because I remember Lithuania is playing France. We have this Valenciunas Gobert matchup. We're just killing them in the first minutes of the game. And you have this feeling I just want Rudy Gobert in the court more because. I know that we're going to expose him. And that's what happened. I mean, Mustafa Fall, basically, he stopped that run of Lithuanian national team. But then he improved so much that he saved their asses in the game against Turkey. He once again, again, was super important with his tippings, with his uh, uh, rebounding, with his shot blocking, with his just general presence on the court. So, yeah, he's he's having a potential MVP uh, run for this tournament. But for other picks, I would completely... Uh, agree, agree with you and I remember that uh, my colleague uh, Tommy Hook uh, in the hotel uh, he told that I think it, it happened only 50 or 60 years ago when the player outside the semifinal teams uh, won the MVP so probably we're gonna rule out any Giannis yeah. no, or Luka consideration Tecchio, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was although great, he was great he yeah. was great despite the fact he missed those two free throws he was amazing but, in every game Yeah, but I just like the fact that you know we're gonna kind of appreciate all these mm. other stars, alternative MVPs who will eventually become the real MVPs of but the Eurobasket. the real MVP for France is Lady Luck. Nobody <laughs> else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Twice you're in a situation where you're down 75, 77. The exact the same. Like 16 or 19 seconds left. 77, 75? Yes, yes. Yeah. They were down 75, yeah. 77. 16 or 19 seconds left. Something like that. And... The, the only difference is against Turkey, it was an unsportsmanlike foul. Yeah. In this case, it was Which just makes a even common foul. Things even yeah, worse. But, but, but the f- next thing about Italy is that you have a 89% free throw, throw shooter. shooter. And what? Your best player is on the line. Yeah. I mean, if he hits both, probably that's so, game over. Yeah. If he hits one, well, then, Still in then you very can good foul situation. them. Yeah. You're leading by free. There are obvious options you can go for. All of a sudden, the best player on the court misses two free throws. France get the rebound. Tomatel goes for the layup. He ties the game. Italy still has five seconds. And he had a decent opportunity, actually. Fontecchio with his right hand, he can mm. hit that semi-hook shot, but he missed it. And then in the overtime, France was the better team. But look, 
it's like Groundhog Day. The same game, the same things happen. France is in a good position after two quarters. They're leading by seven. And then the third quarter. I cannot explain why France is so terrible in the third quarter of the basketball game. And every time it's it's the same. They are leading the Eurobasket in turnovers. They're averaging more than 17 turnovers per game. It's like unprecedented when a team with 17 turnover averages in the semifinals. Something is wrong with their locker room speech, I think. I don't get it. How How, how is this continuing to happen every single game? And they still survive. They still survive in the fourth quarter. I mean, Evan Fournier was not that good shooting the ball. Mm. Like six from 17. For him. Tom Martel started taking care of business in the, in the fourth quarter when things were tough. I mean, Gershon Yabuselli yeah, had some great fighting solid. spirit from him and obviously Gobert doing what he does, but it's it's hard to talk about France because I love so many things about Italy that you know just we just have to address the, the first thing that okay they finished the game with 12 three-pointers which is okay uh, although it's an overtime game but I mean what was the most interesting that we remember the game against Serbia crazy number of shots they made from the three-point line mm-hmm. 16 three-pointers if, if I'm correct and it felt mm-hmm. like there was some luck behind it. Okay, some shots were open because they were just killing Nikola Jokic uh, offensively. But, you know, guys went really hot. But they in this game, they stayed in the game without making three-pointers. Mm-hmm. We have very average And I can tell you why. I percentage. can tell you why. The, tell me, my friend. It's kind of obvious. France is different. Rudy Gobert is different than Jokic. Uh, of course, of course. And yeah. the pick and pops were not working because they, they, they were, were switching. They were better suited team yeah. to defend uh, the three point. France line. was switching, but they still stayed in the game. Yeah. And I love so many things about uh, this team. For example, Nicola Melli started the game really badly, uh, but later on, especially during the second half uh, run, he was very important on both sides of the floor. Marcos Piso, I mean, okay. He can have this great night against Serbia, but can you expect the consecutive back-to-back performance from Marcos Piso? One to one point. But you have more points in both of these games. I mean, that's incredible. And Fontecchio was just Fontecchio. I mean, just as Luigi de Thomas said, what I also, once again, liked that when I made this question about him missing the free throws, I never had an idea that, I mean, that it's time to kill this player because, oh, he's such a great shooter and what what the hell is going on? But uh, I think that, you know, sometimes fans, we, we have these examples. Gedrus Gustas in Lithuania, 2004. And I mean... Did you have to? These free throws killed his reputation for the rest of his life. Although he, it was not his fault. Tanaka Bird was... Okay, anyways, I, old story. But I can't believe we're going through this again. The, 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 <laughs> the problem is that I think that in Italy, there might be some fans, they're not many basketball fans, but that there might be some fans who would be, you know... Attacking him, but what I loved, not only from Gianmarco Pozzeco, who, 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 who told also a good story about this missed shots, but also Luigi Tome, he just interrupted uh, before going to the next question and said that without Simone, we, would, we, we wouldn't be even be here. Of course. And there's, n- there's no room, there's no conversation where you can criticize Fontecchia for missing these three throws, and I completely agree with him, but it just shows how United this team was and everybody was fighting for each other starting with the head coach assistant coach coaching staff players and the whole team well what i've learned about fontecchio once again although i knew it knew it before the eurobasket but this eurobasket just proved it on the highest level that the Utah jazz made a great signing 
and he could be a great replacement for Joe Ingles, who has played there for, for many years, because Fontecchio does everything. He can drive to the left, he can drive to the right, he can post up if he, ha he has a mismatch, he can shoot shots. a free, he can make a tough fadeaway shot, He's and he so can be strong. a playmaker. He can create opportunities for others, which makes him a decent option in, 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 in pick and roll. And so he's strong and he's good defensively. He has I mean, everything. He's all around he has player. All the tools to be a successful NBA player, and I hope he will be a, a good. Is he fit going to be a monster, as Potseko said? I'm not sure about the monster, but yeah. he could be a great replacement for Joe Ingles. That's my mm -hmm. take. And and about France, one more thing I wanted to say. Actually, some of the decisions Vincent Collet made probably helped Italy because, like in the first half, they were okay, leading by seven. They were rotating Gobert and Poirier. They're playing switch uh, all defense. Uh -huh. It's kind of working. It's okay. Suddenly, it's okay. All of a sudden, third quarter, the coach decides, why not go for Mustafa Fall? Mm. And in the very first possession, Italy play pick and roll with Melli and it's an end one. Mustafa Fall played five minutes. He has the plus minus rating of minus 11. Then in the fourth quarter, the coach thinks like, I need another ball handler on the court because these guys are struggling. Why not go for Elio Kobo, who hasn't played for three quarters? Move, right? That I was mean, like, I was so surprised. What? And at this point, I thought, that's it. That's desperation. They're, yeah. The game's lost. Just like what Tudis did in the fourth quarter. Yeah, with some very strange lineups. But then Tomartel happened, and then the missed free throws happened, yeah. and France is oh, in the semifinals. I cannot believe it. I mean, when I was predicting that they, they will win the gold medal, I really thought they will win it by playing some solid, mm -hmm. consistent basketball. They're not solid. They're not consistent. I, I, I didn't calculate the whole uh, result of their total third quarters in mm. the tournament, but it should be some terrible numbers. Yeah. But they're here. <laughs> Somehow they're here. If they, and they're playing If Poland. they win this Eurobasket, I just hope that they will do it in a solid way, like through champions. I cannot stand any a another more thing about miracle. Them. Another thing about them. Uh, when they qualified from the group, uh, people were calculating. They're facing Serbia in the quarterfinals. Yeah. They didn't face Serbia in the quarterfinals. They faced Italy. When they faced Italy, people were saying... Okay, but they're they're facing Slovenia in the semifinals. They're not facing Slovenia in the semifinals. They're facing Poland. What's happening here? Something is here from the top, you know. By the way, is that true? I don't know if that's true, but is that true that as soon as Slovenia was kicked out of the tournament, Rudy Gobert tweeted that two yes. more. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, then. two more, two more, man. Okay. <laughs> The, the last pair, uh, probably yeah. the shortest one for the discussion. Because Spain is doing Spa Spain so things. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to Rudy they Fernandez. They semifinals. You're about semifinals every year since 1999. Yeah. Wow. And I just want to give a shout out to Rudy yeah. Fernandez. He, he's a legend of the game. Although, hate him or love him, there are obvious reasons to have some hatred and towards that's Rudy. That's a huge recognition from Lithuanian side because 99% yeah. of yeah. basketball fans in Lithuania, they just hate him. We know he's a dirty player. We know he likes to flop and all these things, but he has so much passion for the national team, playing through injuries, being 37, being mm -hmm. the captain of the team and making clutch shots, just proving how good he is, how he enjoys those big moments and big games. So uh, a lot of respect to Rudy Fernandez. And, and Spain had trouble in this game. They were down by 15 in the first half. Their defense was was not working. And not only because of Lowry Markin and other yeah. uh, Finnish players were, were hitting shots and punishing uh, Spain. But 
Spain kind of changed their game in the second half because they were not shooting that great from free. They started just going through the pick and rolls of Lorenzo Brown and Villian and Gomez. Vili was unstoppable. Finland didn't have those strong bodies to, mm-hmm. to contain him. He's having a great tournament. He's having a great tournament, really. 27 points, 10 from 13 field goals in this game. And It, it all started from Rudy, actually, because they had this uh, locker room speech. I, I, I remember I asked uh, Garuba, you know, what kind of tactical adjustments has Cariolo made because uh, yeah. we all know that he's uh, he likes to do some crazy things on the court. But he told it was all about the emotional side of, of, of the team and Rudy had some bad words uh, to say. So, you know, he addressed the team. And that's, that's the most uh, impressive thing about Rudy for me is that, that when I watch him, it really feels, and especially in the knockout stage, it feels like it, this is the last tournament for him, right? The way he's diving for every ball, the way he's doing the Dennis Rodman things, he's crashing almost into the cameras, into the stands. He's going for every possible deflection. He's making all these clutch shots. It feels like this is the last tournament, but the the best thing is that it's not. He has this idea of uh, still playing in Olympic Games, for example, although he's 37. He always banged up. He's always questionable for any uh, of the game or the tournament. He shows up. Uh, usually in the second half uh, of the game, yeah. he makes some clutch three-pointers, he makes some crucial steals, and it, I mean, although on the stat sheet, he, that, that's the thing when we had this discussion for the MVP conversation, okay, there is William Hernan Gomez, amazing numbers, Lorenzo Brown, but when you're thinking about the MVP, you think about the leadership example and the impact for the game. Rudy Fernandez probably makes the biggest impact uh, for his team defensively and offensively and especially on the games when it's matter against Lithuania. I mean, we all remember Usman Garuba taking offensive rebound, sending the ball beyond the arc and Rudy is making two crucial three-pointers. Basically, the mm. same happened against Finland. It was just even worse. He was making these nine-meter uh, last-second three-pointers. Yeah, and Very they deep. just killed Finland, which was amazing. I mean, I felt that so bad because they had this really legit historical chance to make the semifinals and they really deserved it. So, Yeah, but Rudy also had five steals and and spain scored 33 points from from uh, from turnovers so that's a huge number finland only had 12 points from from spain turnovers mm. and i think scariol also found some x factors in the second half like juancho and gomez found, found six factors he yeah, always does that yeah juancho and gomez really had some big moments and also dario brisella as a role player he stepped up I know him as a good shooter from uh, from the ACB league. It didn't really surprise me that he can hit an open shot, but he played really with a lot of confidence and, and he ended the game with 14 points in 17 minutes. But just a huge shout out to Finland. I mean, mm. like, I know it ended, the dream ended in the quarterfinals, but they beat Croatia. They went through the group stage with some really attractive, solid. sexy basketball. And Lauri Markkanen was just a monster, a scoring machine in this tournament. Even in this quarterfinal game, he finished with 28 points and 10 from 17 shooting. So it's an exciting team to watch. I just hope they continue to qualify for these big tournaments because it's obviously difficult when during the qualifying windows, they don't have Lowry and, and he's the star of the show. So we'll see what happens with Finland in the future, but they add a lot of uh, beauty to the Eurobasket, yeah. in my opinion. We have Poland, France starting semifinal than Germany, when Spain. you're saying it, it sounds surreal. <laughs> it's like, like football championship. I, I saw a tweet from somebody saying that semifinals, the expectation, like uh, Giannis versus Luka, the reality, Brisella and Sokolovsky. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, and, you know, talking about these predictions, it just useless i mean you don't need to predict anything i don't want to predict anything exactly. anymore i'm, I'm just sticking to like my I'm, I'm just sticking to my initial prediction that france is going to win the gold medal but <laughs> how it but from matter. these four teams the most consistent yeah. one playing the best basketball is germany that's true for sure that i'm not saying that they deserve the title the most but let's say their game the attractiveness of their game all around game puts them in a position where yeah. they deserve uh, from the very beginning just look just look at their mm. performances in the opener they beat france by a big margin like 13 points something like that uh then they beat lithuania in a double overtime thriller yeah they lost to slovenia but they lost after a tough fight and then they finished the group stage in a good position in the eight finals they didn't have that much problem with montenegro and in the quarterfinals that was probably the best team performance we've seen in the tournament so mm. far against a very, very strong opponent, Greece. So, in my opinion, they're the most consistent and the best team out of the four. But it's a knockout stage and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and they're facing Spain. And Spain tends to ruin things. I mean, they have enough tactical uh, tools to, to surprise us all. And if Spain wins this Eurobasket, I mean, we have to... Just bring crown to Coach Scariola and just call him the goat of FIBA. goats in FIBA basketball head coaching. And that's it. France, if they're gonna win the Eurobasket, I mean it's just it just we we in every conversation we'll have to include the um, factor how of it luck. Happened. Of luck, how yeah. important it is behind any sports. But maybe, and maybe you know, France deserves some luck because do you remember in two thousand and five how they lost to Greece? <laughs> Actually don't. From they what were, I remember, in, they in, were from up 2005 by, that we lost against them in quarterfinals and they scored 48 points. Yeah, although but we played nice basketball. In the semifinals, they were up by seven in the last minute or something like that. And some crazy stuff happened and everything ended with Diamantidis' game winner. So after that, I remember talking to my friends like, how unlucky is France? So after 17 years, maybe they're getting some luck. Yeah, all these teams deserve to win the Eurobasket. I mean, the fact that they're here, I mean, it, it shows that they have something that puts I mean, them in the, this position. The difference is like, how do you value a bronze medal, for example? In my opinion, there are two teams that wouldn't be satisfied with bronze. That's France and Germany in this case. Spain, probably also not that much, but knowing hmm. how, they, how they were not the favorites, I they would appreciate bronze. Even, and Poland? Even for Germany. And, and Poland, oh. any kind of medal for Poland yeah. is, is is just huge. But even for Germany, they're playing home. No, nah, I don't agree. They're playing yeah. at such a high level, they wouldn't be satisfied with bronze. It would no. be disappointment, but at the same time, and you're playing home, and still... I Germany mean, the fans is, would appreciate it, and, but, but the Germany players is themselves... But not that team which is like making same finals every time yeah, but the players themselves know that it's a know, golden yeah. opportunity like it's not like this german team is a one-time thing like yeah. with this They're roster and like also adding some of the players that are not playing here they can be a force in european basketball for years to come germany right now is a legit elite basketball team in europe okay i agree with you let's just enjoy the semifinals, Rita Svishnauskas, thanks a lot for joining me in here in Berlin. Thanks a lot for you, uh, all these 
nice comments, uh, feedback, and everything. Are we having a Q and A session? Like oh yes, uh, we have a Q and A se yeah. session uh, for the next episode between the semifinals and finals. So probably you can start leaving your questions under this video. We will have another uh, YouTube uh, community uh, post as well, where, where where we will be able to ask uh, ask all these questions. Also Twitter. Uh, also Twitter and yeah, just don't forget to press uh, like button if you already watched the whole episode. So probably it's worth it, but it really helps us uh, to grow. Of course, and of course, follow us on basketnews.com. Thank you. Hey everyone. Hey fans, Pau Gasol here. Courtside 1891 is your home to stream your basket 2022. Visit Courtside 1891 today. Don't miss the action, live or on demand.